When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Topher Lane here with Luis Gonzalez. Today, we're going to be talking about the moves made by uh, former players who were waived by the Celtics this year and guys who used to be Celtics stars making their move on and then other news around the NBA, including what Doc Rivers is up to. Luis, how's it going? Doing well. I appreciate the extra emphasis on my name. Uh, This is a weird time of the summer. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's a lot of sports going on. Well, not a lot, but just a few. But this is like the worst time of the year to be a basketball fan. And we showed that. We missed a week of podcast, in part because there wasn't a lot of news. So we're sorry, Celtics Life listeners, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to be back. And we'll, as, obviously, we're in the, the heat of the doldrums of the summer, you know, where there's yeah. just nothing going on. I think we should have just called it, or you should have just call it a summer vacation. Yeah, we took a, we took a vacay. I mean, Mark is actually one of our colleagues is on vacation. Yeah. Our, yeah. our esteemed, our, our, the one with the best accent. Yeah. We yeah, had superlatives yeah. for Celtics Life podcasters. He'd be best accent for sure. <laughs> the biggest Marcus Smart fan I know. <laughs> and right, Terry Rozier. Speaking of biggest fans, I, and this is the worst news for me. And it's kind of new news. It was on Sunday. So this is the day before we're recording. Jordan Mickey was signed by Pat Riley in the Miami Heat. That's and, the biggest news of the summer. I don't care what anybody says. The listeners. You guys who are active know that I thought Jordan Mickey was the second coming of Michael Jordan. And I I laugh all you want. Yeah, I don't care. You know, all (laughs) jokes aside, I really did love him. Yeah. He had, it it pains me that he's not on the team anymore because I still think that he has all of this untapped potential. And if Miami just lets him play, lets him make mistakes, this can be a, all jokes aside, this can be a big deal. Well, it, let me tell you this right. The comparison that I made was to Hassan Whiteside, who was a guy who played in the now G League, but he was a D League star, very similar to my dude Jordan Mickey, who had 20.8 points for the main Red Claws this year. 20.8. He was a 20-point scorer, 8.8 rebounds, and then dominated as a defensive player in the paint. He was a stud in the D-League, Jordan Mickey, as was Hassan Whiteside. And Pat Riley, Pat, Pat Riley had the vision to bring Hassan Whiteside up, even though he wasn't necessarily something that would translate over to the NBA. And he dominated. He's been crushing it in the NBA. He's commanding a max deal. 
and that's not to say gonna be the second he's going to be the next Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I mean, well, you kind of ruined what I was just about to say, but I was about to say that's not to well, that's a lot of saying. That's not to <laughs> say that every you know unknown guy that you take a chance on who did really well in the D League now G League is going to come into its own, come into his own like True. Hassan Whiteside did. But again. I think the problem with Jordan Mickey is that he was just a, a, a victim of the rotation. Like there was just no, there was no room for him, no opportunities for him to grow as a player. And he's still really young. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's the kind of, he's not, he's the, the kind of player that you need to have him play as many minutes as possible for him to develop. He's not a, he's not the kind of guy that just kind of came into the league and he was already super polished and good to go whenever. No, you need he needs to play. So, I like that word polished that you used because he that's absolutely true. There was a lot of raw talent with Jordan Mickey, something that he could dominate with against guys in the D League. But you bring up a guy to the NBA and, and sometimes that just fundamental rawness makes it tough for them to translate it over and, and they just need that experience. So Yeah, I do think that that was one of the words that they used in his scouting report, if I'm not mistaken. And he's very raw, but has a lot of potential. I mean, he led the, the. I, I think it was the SEC, if not the NCAA, and well, at, at the very least, it was the SEC in blocks uh, per game for the year. So you know, at the very least, he's a good rim protector. But yeah. you would get lost on defensive rotations, and yeah. that's that's something Justin always pointed out to like steal my thunder kind of deal. That you know, there, he he definitely had his liabilities and. That's something that I hope he improves on, and you know I'd love to see him do well. He is genuinely one of my favorite players in the NBA, in spite of the fact that he never saw minutes. I just think he's a great guy, and he's got a ton of potential, very high ceiling that I really hope he lives up to. Yeah, and I it doesn't hurt to see him alongside Kelly Olynyk. That's nice. True. True, yeah, two guys that I I mean I know people hated Kelly Olynyk mostly when they were just frustrated when he was hitting. We loved him when he was pulling threes that were frustrating and bricking him off the backboard. We were a lot more frustrated with Kelly Olenek, but in general, I think he's, he's a guy that I'd like to see do well as, as well. So, you know, the both of them there, there are worse things, but it sucks that they're on the heat. Of all the teams, they have to go to the heat. Yeah, but I'd rather them on the heat than, like, I don't know. The Cavs, as someone that we're actually going to be contending against? Yeah, or, like, the Magic, like a really bad team where they're just going to be miserable. I'd rather, I like that they're in a situation where, because Miami's, you know, they're, they're on the cusp of being a team that can make some noise in the East. Yeah, they'll be like a mid, like no man's land kind of middling. Yeah. Five seed, I think. But but they've, both of these players, Jordan Mickey and Kelly Olenek, have been so good to us that it would, it would suck to see them on a really bad team. So good for them. Uh, another guy like that, Brandon Bass, who was doing. He was. How long was he with the Celtics? He was with the Celtics for a while. He was four, five years, maybe four. Now he's going to China. He's yeah. The NBA. Was it? Didn't Brandon Bass like not miss a game in like three seasons or something like that? I think you're thinking of Tristan Thompson. I think it was also Brandon Bass. I know that Tristan Thompson has also set, or he, you know, he had this streak or whatever. Mister Durability. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Brandon Bass was also like that that guy that just never missed a game or at least it seemed that way well he was he was a really solid Celtics contributor his mid-range game was nasty he was he was pretty solid I appreciated Brandon Bass and now yeah. he's now he's leaving it's it's always sad to see guys who just like 
I, I kind of compared the two. Like, I feel like he is a worse Roy Hibbert, kind of, in the fact that, like, he was relatively dominant with his team that drafted him. He was drafted by the Celtics, right? Am I just completely off on this? No, he was not. I think he was in Orlando before he came to Boston. Man, I need to study my stuff. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a search right now. Okay, but I'm. I wanna. I'm gonna bet that he was with Orlando. Oh New no, Orleans? he got drafted by New Orleans, huh. and then he went to Dallas, and then he went to Orlando. We got him from Orlando, and yes, he was on the team on Boston for four years. Wow, on top of your game. Clearly, I need to do more research on Brandon Bass. Regardless, he's a guy <laughs> that I appreciated with the the Celtics, and now he's off to China to the Liaoning Leopards for a two million dollar deal. So good for him. As long as he keeps playing basketball, uh, it works for him. Oh, fun! Well, the next Jimmer for debt, maybe. Maybe you want <laughs> some some trivia real quick. Well, I'm not. It's not trivia because I'm going to give you the answer. Um, <laughs> ba- Brandon Bass was traded to Boston in exchange for Vaughn Wafer and Glenn Davis. Huh. Vaughn Wafer, you remember him with the I, Mohawk? I I don't know if I want to remember him. <laughs> <laughs> Name is rough. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty rough. He's not, he also in China. Oh, okay. It's interesting it's how that works. Yeah, yeah. They, they kind of crossed paths in that trade. And now they're both able to cross paths again over there. <laughs> like, we're, we're too far. We're too, uh, to round out the kind of new new <laughs> far as our week goes, Celtics added two new kind of training camp invites. Andrew White the third, who played for my alma mater, Syracuse University. Uh, actually broke the three-point record for the the orange, and then Daniel Dixon out of William and Mary. He's a guard out of there. You know, what, I think. What are your thoughts on this? I was just about to say, you know, that it's been a really rough few weeks when our one of our main talking points is Brandon Bass going to China and Andrew White the third and Daniel Dixon, who I'm pretty sure, unless you're a basketball guru. You have no idea who these guys are. Or they're on your team. Ow. Or they're on your team. Andrew White was a stud in the one year he played for us. It was great. Well, my thoughts, and we were kind of talking about this before we actually started recording. I am not sure what the plan is. As I'm sure a lot of you know, we have what it seems like at least 20 bodies on the roster right now obviously they're not all guaranteed and obviously some of these are just training camp invites but what i was saying is that to me it doesn't seem like there's there there's a fight for a roster spot everybody that's on the team i think there's a very clear idea of who the 15 guys on on the final roster are going to be so i just don't understand what the point of having all of these training camp invites or maybe it's to put some guy guys in the G League. I have no idea. And the, these contract situations are very confusing. Um, G League two-way contracts, training camp invite contracts, or whatever. Uh, it's all very confusing to me. I'd all say there's the- a bit of confusion as far as the final 15, because Shane Larkin threw a wrench in that, because I think he was like our 16th guy. Yeah, I think he was our 16th guy. And you, yeah, thank you for reminding me that that did kind of throw a wrench in there. Yeah, that threw a wrench in there. And then I believe that this deal with White is partially guaranteed. So we can still waive that or cut him. You know, we can just give him the money and, and cut him. So he's not 
completely in. But right now, this the Seas have 16 players with guaranteed contracts. So it's very unlikely that White finds any way onto the 15-man roster, unless he's better than someone else. Which, I mean, again, I, I like Andrew White, Celtics or uh, Syracuse fan, so I have a slight leaning towards him, but I, I don't think he's better than anybody who's currently going to be taking a spot on the, on the team. And, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just, like, totally giving up. Well, it kind of does sound like that. But I'm, like, totally giving up on these guys, and I haven't even seen them play. I mean, you, you never know. You might have, a, like we were talking about earlier, Hassan Whiteside type of guy that kind of just comes up out of nowhere as a training mm -hmm. camp inviter, G League guy, what have you. Mm -hmm. But, well, yeah, like, I just, I don't, I can't, I don't foresee either of these guys being better than anybody that's, you know, assumed to be on a final 15-man roster. But, I don't know. Crazier things have happened. For sure. That rounds out kind of our, our new news. The rest of the stuff we're talking about is kind of hypothetical stuff, right? So well, we'll start with Doc Rivers officially being kicked out by the Clippers as the general manager. He had the keys to like the franchise while also being the head coach, along with several other coaches who have that, or a handful of other coaches, I should say, who have that position. But now Rivers is remaining as head coach, but cut as the GM. First, you know, I want to get kind of your thoughts on whether that's a good idea, or I guess how do you think he did as GM of the Los Angeles Clippers? I mean, the only thing I really have to say, I mean, it's about time. I think that experiment went on for way too long. You think it was an experiment? I, I mean, I think it was at first, and I think everybody just kind of got comfortable and they were like, all right, the Clippers weren't a bad team. Um, under Doc Rivers, I mean, they're not a bad team now, or I guess we'll find out. Well, um, but it, he got a little too comfortable with the let me just bring in old or former players of mine thing, even if it didn't work for the team. I, okay. For my first kind of response to that is a lot of people would say that they wanted a top five rosters in like all of basketball for the last five years really yeah. actually since doc has been there they've they've maintained one of the best rosters and they've been extremely successful as a franchise over the last three years since doc river has been there until you get to the postseason and then they fall apart and in part of it is because of injuries you know blake griffin goes down with whatever form of injury but from a gm perspective it seems like he's giving himself as head coach a very, very good team to work with. You know, am, I, am I wrong in saying that? I, I feel like he did a good job as a GM. It, the issue comes to postseason coaching, which you'd think Doc Rivers has experience with, considering that he helped bring the Celtics title in 2008. But it, it seems like the team fell apart. The team that he created that was doing so well in the regular season, only being beaten by the, Los, or the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors really the last couple of years. So my response to your response is, if the team falls apart, what, I mean, and, and granted, yes, they've been pretty, pretty, pretty unlucky when it comes to injuries and all of that. But if your team is wildly successful during the regular season, and there's no doubting that the Clippers have been over the past few years under Doc Rivers, but they've been a first-round exit 
since he's been at the helm. There was I, a one, I, the one season that they got, they should have gotten to the Western Conference Finals. They're up 3-1 on the, the Rockets, and then the oh, that's right. fell apart. And that's why I believe this is on Coach Doc Rivers and not GM Doc Rivers. I mean, I guess. That, 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 uh, I guess that's getting a little technical, but it, uh, you do make a good point. But, like, my measure of success, especially with this, I mean, because we know every year the Clippers, they, they were, it, this, it, this was the year that they were going to do it. This was the year that they were going to get over the hump. The Clippers remind me of the uh, Washington Capitals in hockey or the Washington Nationals. Oh, my God, all these Washington teams. The Washington <laughs> Nationals, these teams that are supposed to do all of these great things. They have all this great regular season success. And then the postseason comes around, and then they fall apart. Sure, it's a little bit different with the Clippers because, again, the injuries and all that. But I, I guess that is a good point. Coach Doc Rivers isn't as good as GM Doc Rivers. But, I mean, to, to, a, to a point, Doc Rivers kind of inherited that team. Did he right. not? Yeah, so then, then here's my, my second point to back that up. His last really move was somehow to convince Chris Paul to do a sign and trade rather than just a bail. And he got Patrick Beverly, a handful of other players in the Rockets, rather than just lose him entirely in free agency. And I would guess part of that is because of his ability as a GM. I mean, no matter what Chris Paul, I mean, I think that he had a piece in it, I, not maybe giving too much credit to Doc Rivers, but you know what? I think that I, 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 I'm not going to say that he was a bad GM. I, I don't want to say that he's, in the bottom 15. I don't know if I'd say he's top 10, but I, I think he's among the better GMs. And I guess we also can't forget about the whole DeAndre Jordan thing. Remember where he yep. had like verbally agreed to sign with Dallas yep. and then they held him hostage or whatever. Um, so it's a complicated situation. <laughs> it's very complicated, but I think, I think it, it was about time. Do you think, think better? Okay, then do you agree with me that he's a better coach, or disagree with me and think that he's a better coach than GM? Uh, yes and no, because again, I do think that he, I, I think he did a much. Well, I mean, Boston, the situation in Boston and the situation in LA were very similar. Well, in Boston, he didn't inherit the team; the team was constructed before him. In L.A., he kind of came into that situation. So it's hard to say, but then remember Glenn Davis or Big Baby Davis was saying that, you know, he's not a good coach. It's just like he kind of got lucky with the players that were on the team. So I guess some of that is valid. I don't know. I kind of, I'm starting to see more and more that I think Big Baby was right, I think. Yeah. And to, I, to, to a point. I No, because I, you know what? I think that, the fact that he's lost, that he just can't keep his team together in the postseason when a coach really needs to rally his squad together, the fact that they've had such a good team on paper and it hasn't translated to really any postseason success, to me, is indicative of the fact that he's a bad coach. Or at least not a good coach, however you want to frame it. So that's my own perspective. But, yeah, it's complicated. It is. And, I mean, so uh, well, let's take a look at how other guys are doing, right? So you have Stan Van Gundy with the Pistons, who 
the, the Pistons have been mediocre at best, really, with SVG at the helm. They just drafted a guy, and I'm here in Michigan, and fans are not happy about Kyle Singler 2.0. So, I, I guess SVG is not really doing any better than Doc was, and he's had a pretty alright roster. Andre Drummond is arguably one of the top three centers in the game as far as like offensive and, and rebounding ability goes. Tom Thibodeau just did insane moves with the Timberwolves and is gearing up to have one of the best rosters in the West. Greg Popovich is always the best in like everything that he does. He's always in the conversation for coach of the year. Meanwhile, has found some of the best players in like development and all that stuff. So he dominates. And then Mike Budenholzer just stepped down as GM, but did a pretty good job as far as that went. And he also led this, the Hawks to their first like 60 win season in forever four years ago. Three years ago? Uh, three years ago. Yeah, so Udenhoser did well as a coach. I think of that list, I think Doc Rivers is the worst coach. But I think Tom Thibodeau is great. Yeah, and I would say arguably he's probably, I mean, excluding Pop from the conversation because it's a given that he's great. Uh, but of the other guys that you mentioned, I would say uh, Thibodeau for sure, especially with what happened this offseason. Uh, that, that was a great offseason. Yeah. But yeah, I would say it's it's kind of and this we're gonna get killed for this. But like between Sam Van Gundy and Doc, Sam Van Gundy has a younger team, and I think that the Pistons, if they like play their cards right there on the way up, right now it's hard to say with them. But I don't want to say that he's a better coach than Doc Rivers. I, this is tough. I, that's that's fair. Doc, I can say he's a worse coach. Or I can say SVG is a worse coach than Doc. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll say that. We'll say that. Tibbs, I think, is better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Although, funny because they kind of work, they did work alongside one another. And they work very similarly in the sense that Tom Thibodeau is recreating his Bulls team the same way that Doc Rivers was recreating his own, bringing in Jeff Green, like all that. Like, it's just like strange how they each are kind of approaching things the same way. Yeah. Um, Greg Popovich is top three coach, if not top two, if not the best coach in the NBA. I think. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you're not wrong at all. Budenhoser, his team kind of fell apart. So as a GM, he lost Al Horford. He signed Dwight Howard. Millsap is gone. He traded Jeff Teague. And now he's left basically with Dennis Schroeder and a bunch of role players, I feel like. I mean, that they kind of made that team tank. I don't know if it was... I, I think that came from the top. They seemed to be all in this year. They seemed to be trying to... Because they were the one seed three years ago with the 60-win team that he helped lead them to. And I think they were trying to recreate that and then take down Cleveland. And they thought this was going to be their year by bringing in Dwight Howard for whatever reason then that simultaneously kind of pushed Horford out the door to the Celtics, but trading Jeff Teague was to get Schroeder more minutes and stuff, and it just has all kind of backfired for Budenhoser. So as a GM, I'm not very very high on him, but I think he's a good coach. Yeah. No, I agree. Again, yeah, like you just mentioned, he's three seasons removed from a six, I think it was at least 60 games. It may have been a few more. Um, it was, yeah, but I just think of, I, I think of that as like the, the 
and the point whatever it is the floor of, of kind of how many wins you have your 60 win team and it's like a an achievement to have so i think yeah. that's and, 62. that entire hawks team was like they they voted the entire team as the player of the month i think was it that was the that was yeah the, they the, had like it was because they had kyle corver and oh also that kyle corver trade they lost like they got nothing for kyle corver yeah that was a bad who trade. knows are really just yeah, he fell apart as a GM because he helped build that team and then just kind of let everything, everything fall apart. So, not a miss for him. And then you got the guys who are like the proto GM slash coaches in Jason Kidd and and Rick Carlisle with the Bucks and the Mavs respectively. Yeah. But you know they they do well enough. Jason Kidd's dealt with some awful injuries, but he's helped develop Giannis Antetokounmpo pretty well as a coach and at least right now, is keeping him on the team as long as they keep moving upwards. Yeah, and Rick Carlisle is always kind of like the dark horse for coach of the year. Yeah, I wish his teams did better. I, I'm starting to question because, I, you know, they're not like the worst roster in the West, but it, they just can't seem to put together a good enough season. The last time that they were even in the playoffs, it's like they won a title in 2011, I think. And then they haven't been relevant since. Yeah. Like, was Tyson Chandler and Jason Kidd really that valuable to your team that you can't even make the playoffs after that? You still have arguably one of the best players of all time. When I say that, I mean, like, he's in, like, the top 25 conversation, not, like, Mount Rushmore style. But Dirk Nowitzki is, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And you can't build a team around him. I, the DeAndre Jordan fiasco was rough, but, like, is that really keeping your team from making the playoffs, DeAndre Jordan? And then they're still they still haven't signed Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel is still a free agent, which is crazy. Yes, and, and this this should be Dirk's last year. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he might he's probably got a few more in the tank. They'll keep playing until he just decides to quit, and it will be the most quiet retirement that you'll ever see. It'll be like, hey, I'm out, and then I'll be gone, and it'll be over. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll be like, like uh, retired. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, it'll be just like um, Tim Duncan. There was like, yeah, there wasn't like a going away tour or whatever it is. Like the Derek Jeter style, Kobe Bryant style retirement tour thing. Kind of like what Draymond Green thought Paul Pierce was doing, which he didn't at all, but whatever. But <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, there will, that will not happen. It'll just be like an end of the conference, end of the season press conference. Just be like, oh yeah, no, you know what? I've decided to retire. He's just going to get up and walk away. Like, Derek, no. Don't say that. Yeah, that's probably exactly what he's, he strikes me as that kind of guy. I think so. Very quiet. Yeah. Going to do his thing, stay in his lane, just tap out when he's done. But I don't know yeah. when that's going to come. But it, it seems like the, the Mavs need to do anything, but whatever. You know, that's I, I think that Kid and Carlisle are, are solid. Um, and they, they probably, I think right now, rank equally as far as Doc goes on both kind of levels. I think Rick Carlisle has always thought of as one of the best minds in basketball. But again, since it's not translated to anything in terms of success lately, I'm starting to become more and more skeptical. Yeah, I agree with that. And then Jason Kidd is just, I mean, he struggled as a coach, and I, I don't know how to feel about that, but he's, he's done an all right job in the front office for the for the Bucks. So. That team is coming around, too. Yeah, they've got a lot of potential, but again, it's, it's like, I want to see how their draft moves keep panning out. Thon Maker was a ballsy pick. And he was solid this past year, but he was still really, really raw. So if Thon Maker kind of fans out into 
a much better player. Plus, you got Malcolm Brogdon reigning Rookie of the Year. So I, I appreciate those moves. But as a coach, I, again, it's just kind of, I'm not sure how I feel about him yet. Yeah. On that note, do you think Brad Stevens would be a good GM if for some reason he was given these keys? Entirely hypothetical. It's hard for me to say because I have I, I know that he's a great like personnel guy and it's obvious that like he he has a uh, like a very clear idea of like the style of team that he wants and the style of player that he likes. He likes you know he has it's a team full of two way players for the most part. Uh, so I I guess I can trust him to make these decisions, but I don't know he's unproven in that regard. So I guess I'd be willing to give him a shot. I wouldn't. I mean, I love Brad Stevens. I think that he should be the president of the United States someday. But <laughs> that would that would be great. Yeah, actually. yeah, I love that. That'd be great. But I am more. I, I think Danny Ainge has done such a great job, and I know we get skeptical about that stuff, but I think Danny Ainge has just done such a good job. Um as our GM that I, I just don't think it's worth making those moves. No, I mean, I think we're, I, I think the people up top or up top at the top know what they're doing. I don't know if Brad Stevens is going to make any moves that Danny Ainge isn't already planning on making or has made already. With that being said, his relationship with Gordon Hayward is part of what made that possible. And it seems like players really love the mind of Brad Stevens. So maybe as a GM, he would also kind of bring people in. But I think it's it's cool that there's a separation. Yeah. And then I mean, he's, he's doing everything that he's doing now, and he's building all these relationships, and he has this good rapport, and he's just a coach. So I think it would it's like ruining, or it's like potentially potentially ruining a great thing. Why do that? Yeah. Yeah. So no. Brad Stevens, leave him as a coach. I don't want him as a GM. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd give him the keys. I think I'd be happier with, with Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens as like a separate entity. And I think they've worked really well together. I think that they've com- seemingly communicated really well and decided like what they need to approach and stuff. And I think that they have enjoyed their relationship and stuff. I mean, the, the move for Isaiah Thomas is something that both of them wanted, and it's clearly worked out pretty well. So... Kind of yeah. interesting. I, yeah. I, I, it's it's a fun hypothetical. I appreciate thinking about it, but I, I don't think that it's some. And I, I think most fans would agree that rather Danny Ainge stay as GM and, and Brad Stevens stay exclusively as coach. People love to hate Danny Ainge, but they love him when he does something great, which he's been doing. You know, I mean, the only thing that people can be upset about him right now for, I, I can understand fans being upset about the trade of the one seed, but if that pans out the way that he's intending it to. It could be such an insane steal. And then obviously we'll see a little bit more as Markel Fultz plays and kind of where we, where we stand all there. But until that point, that, that deal is fine. The only one that fans can be upset with is the Avery Bradley move because that, that's probably the most we've gotten fleeced in a really, really, really long time. But it was so, it was necessary. Yeah. And I understand. And I'm, I'm on the Danny Ainge side in that sense. But, you know, I, I, that's something that I think fans could be upset at him for. Yeah, that is valid. That is valid. I want... We were robbed of 7-Eleven Get Buckets. Robbed (laughs) by Jalen Brown. Or not Jalen Brown. By Jason Tatum. Tatum. Robbed us of that. Because of that trade. 
because Avery Bradley's gone. So now if, if they traded Marcus Smart, you wouldn't change his number. Yeah, think about that. Thanks, Danny Ainge. Robbed us of that nickname. <laughs> Fire Danny Ainge. Yeah, that's why. So, <laughs> you nicknames for 7-Eleven Get Buckets, or, yeah, 24-7 Get what? Yeah, I don't know. We need new nicknames. What do you got? Fire away. Got that 70s show? Yeah, because Jason is zero now. So, it's official. Yeah, I believe so. Did, aren't, did they show off the new jerseys and he's rocking zero? I haven't, I haven't seen them yet. Check our site, man. It's up there. I, I need to do some more research. It's uh, they, they rocked. It was like the unveiling, like the official unveiling. They were rocking the jerseys. It's pretty sweet. I think I did see it, actually. Anyway. Uh, Trouble 07? Trouble 07. Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't say it fast enough. It's we wanted double O, but that number's retired. Yes, it is. Double O is retired, so. Boston 2.0, no. Jays for days? I do like that. But people people may get it confused, like like Jays, like Jordans. So that doesn't work. Well, but is Jay so? Does Jalen have a Y in it? J A Y L A. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's J J A Y L E N. And then Jason. So Jays for days. I love it. J A Y. And then we can make like a cool blue Jay kind of deal. That could work. I like that one. All right, fire and ice. Yeah. No. Yeah, cross it off. Cross off. Night. Seven. No, okay. Okay. This. This one. Okay. Knight and bishop. Right. Okay. Cool. Okay. But that. That works if you use like computer lingo. You know, like the old school AIM, where sevens were T's and zeros yeah. were O's. Yeah. That's. That's. I. I understand that from a like millennial perspective. So I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm 24, <laughs> and I don't get it. <laughs> right, fine. Move on then, Luis. I don't. I don't know. Sure. Skepticism over here. J squared. No. Ah, okay. Fine. No, uh, the the Green Jays. The Green Jays, kind of like Blue Jays, but we're Celtics. Cool. Appreciate All right, that's it. fine. Boston Jays, oh, 0.07? I feel like that is not... No. <laughs> that's horrible. Were they... Yeah, okay, fine. Single, how about single 07? That's like a, a cute half. No, that's horrible. <laughs> Wait, I like the Jays font. And then we can go for like shaken, not stirred kind of deal. Whenever there's like a really great move where they like slam, like rattle the rim, shaken, not stirred. I don't know. We can figure out really cool things to do with like single 07. No, no, absolutely not. Did you ever enjoy James Bond? Yeah, I, I saw the well, all of the latest ones, so Spectrum, Skyfall. And, and that doesn't um, really excite you that we could have James Bond or like half of James Bond, a license to kill, things like that? No. Not at all. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have to hear these things being said by Tom, Tommy Heinsohn. Wait, yeah. The little guy version of... of yeah, like, I can't imagine him saying, the Boston Jays 0.07. Well, that, okay, we can agree that that one shouldn't be on the list. But single 07? It's too much. The Bond Brothers? I don't know, we could figure something out. Alright. Jays uh, for J days? Come on. J squared... Yeah, we got that one. Wait, oh, oh no, the other one was J. Yeah, it's Wait, J squared. No. Yeah, we got J squared. Oh, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Killer J's. Oh, all right. Uh, B BT Express. BT Express. I don't even. I don't. I don't get it. And then because of the the numbers again, contenders with the O being a zero and a seven. No, a that doesn't say contenders. That says con seven enders. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I don't like Han. If you're ever gonna do that, it's C zero and seven that nurse. Like if you're gonna do that. <laughs> Have fun with that, Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. All right. We don't need you, Elise, and you're. You're not a millennial. You don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best one out of all of those is, I would say probably Tr- Trouble 07. Yeah, fine. But yeah, because that, that Boston J's 0.07. I like J's for days. J's for days is cool. Yeah, and that rolls off the tongue, which is important. And if you put Isaiah in there, it's J's for days. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. I like I like the Jays number four days. Yeah, I don't know how they fit in there, but I like it. I don't know either. Jabari Bird got the last roster spot with the two way contract. Um, I liked him in the summer league, so Yeah, Jabari, he's and, and Justin and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jabari I I like his potential and I think with the two way deal with the new CBA, he'll spend probably most of the time in the in the G League, as it's called now. That's gonna take me a while. But it's uh he's officially that guy so yeah uh, yeah i um i like lost my train of thought but i like i said i i did like him in the in the summer league uh he really took off once uh who was who was playing somebody i, I remember we were playing like without a point guard or something and then yeah. we put a point guard we in DJ. Yeah. we we had a lot of guys who just started like just stopped playing so like jason um and jalen and stuff we we stopped playing him entirely and then i think demetrius jackson was the guy that, that you're thinking of no because he, no it was somebody else because he was did he play for us for in summer league i thought he was off the team yeah he played for us in summer league oh that's right they waived him um before the uh gordon hayward thing happened uh i don't Is even that what know it was? no he played for summer league we just didn't didn't sign him to anything or we just waved him or something. I don't know. Now yeah, because he had like some guaranteed money, but they needed to waive him before a certain date in order for some yes, maybe it was like a contract. Stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but Jabari Bird, he was solid. I appreciated him. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to have another bird on the team. Yeah. It'll it'll be legendary, I'm sure. So we're gonna do one more thing and well, one more nickname. And so there's this movie called Birdemic. Yeah. It's just really phenomenal really, film. Yeah, that's incredible. No, it's actually really bad. Yeah, if you haven't it's, seen it, you need to. It, yeah, <laughs> just look up the uh, the trailer on YouTube. That's all I. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so when Jabari Bird, let's say he hits a shot, or he's like he's hitting like a bunch of threes, it's like it's a birdemic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work. If it gets serious, if it gets serious playing time, if he if he becomes a star, then we'll we'll play around with some nicknames. And that one, Luis, for you, I will make sure it gets serious consideration. Yeah, I'll personally Bird- write Tommy, Tommy Heinsohn to ensure that he says Birdemic at some point. Yeah, It'll that be works. like Sanity, but Birdemic if he just catches fire and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll work on that. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um, Anthony Davis says there was no, no factual basis for the, uh, the trade rumors to Boston. Which, of course he did. Right. <laughs> of course he did. Well, I don't. Did he have any play in it? Didn't the rumors just like say that, that there were conversations? I don't even think it was that. Is? No, it wasn't that. It was people saying that if uh, people were assuming that this Anthony Davis uh, boogie thing wasn't going to work, so that 
So as a result of that, New Orleans' best play would be to try to shop Anthony Davis. And, you know, everybody's like, well, the best team, the be- everybody's best trade partner is Boston, apparently, because they have all these assets, whatever, whatever. So it wasn't, and it wasn't, well, yeah, they're not wrong, but it wasn't any of the front offices or anything like that. It was just a bunch of writers saying that they're, well, the best play for New Orleans is to trade Anthony Davis because the matrimony with Boogie Cousins is not going to work. Yeah, I I mean, I, I just thought it was front office talk. I, I honestly I mean, never thought it was possible, so I don't mind if he says that it wasn't legit or not. But, you know, it's something that I wish was, and I wish we traded for him, but I don't think... That would honestly probably be the biggest trade in NBA history. Well, it depends on who, what we trade. It, that's what I mean. It would be the biggest, like, yard sale ever. You, to get yeah, Anthony Davis... That, but then Paul George was traded for... Two kind of no names. That is actually a good point. And almost actually every star of the season was traded for basically a no name. That's a good point. Unless you can say, I mean, Jimmy Butler was traded for peanuts. Demarcus Cousins was traded for peanuts. Uh, it, basically, everybody who's had an all star appearance, the only one who was like remotely close to a fair deal was Chris Paul's trade. And they had the intention of. of sending a lot for him because no, that yeah. was like part of the agreement that he made I think with everybody involved so I yeah I I don't think that right now stars are fetching a lot on the trade market and that's partially why nobody wants to do it so yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter because it's not going to happen anyway yeah if it does though it'd be pretty legit I'd be happy about it I would be too Jason Tatum is going to be the most likely to succeed in like rookie superlatives by Sports Illustrated I, that's fair. I mean, he's the most polished rookie, so he's going to succeed. Do you think, uh, do you think that he's more likely to succeed than Lonzo Ball? Because Lonzo had that rough, I guess, and I'm not LeVar Ball here, clearly, but I, I, I'm kind of on the, the Lonzo Ball hype train. My friend has convinced me. So I think that you're gonna, a you're lot hate, of you, do you hate me now? Did we just lose no, our friendship no. for me saying that? No, I don't hate you. <laughs> but I think that Lonzo Ball, by default, is going to win a lot of these rookie awards uh, because of the... Like, his name is just constantly being shoved down our throats. So when it comes time to vote, it's just like a foregone conclusion that, of course, it's going to be Lonzo Ball because he's the name that's been, you know, in our heads the most. Um but I don't. I the situation for him there is a lot better because yeah, he'll see a lot more time than yeah. than Tatum, obviously. So just for that for that reason alone, I think he's probably more likely to succeed than just Jason Tatum. But I don't know what the measure of success yeah, is. Yeah, there's there's like the metric. If it's like first to get a title, then Jason Tatum is significantly further along. In part because no. how the franchise is functioning, you know. Lakers yeah. are pieces away. And Several pieces. Yeah, exactly. And so, also, we should totally talk about the Lakers being like under investigation. We'll save that for other other stuff. But <laughs> um, the Lakers are still pieces away. So, if by that metric of like a title or postseason success, I mean Lavar Ball is confident that the Lakers are going to be in the playoffs this year, but I'm not as sure. But it's interesting to think of success in that metric and say Tatum would do better. But 
from just a success standpoint in their rookie season, I feel like Ball is going to be more successful. And then you got Markel Fultz, who was the number one pick, obviously. And, you know, other guys, Josh Jackson, other lottery picks who may do well as, as well. What do you think puts Jason Tatum in this conversation more than those other guys? I mean, if you're putting, if we're just going to rank, so if we're just talking about this most likely to succeed, I would say on a one, two, three, it's probably Lonzo. I think it just has to be Lonzo, Markel, and then Jason Tatum. Why? Minutes. The, obviously, the best team. So, is your metric is, for success stats then? I mean, that's what I think. That's just what it's going to be. You know that people love stats, and like it doesn't. So, if let's say that uh, let, let's throw out some random numbers. Let's say Lonzo averages like t- ten and eight, ten and six, I, or something. I think he's going to get like eighteen, eighteen points per game, and. I think he'll average double-double, 18 and 10. All right, so let's say he gets 18 and 10. And Jason Tatum averages, like, 26 and 4. How the hell do you think he's going to get that? No, I'm just, again, these are just random numbers. Not factually based, just, like, let's just say that's what, that's what happens. Okay. I still, despite the fact that it... It, it'll, it, it turns into a numbers game. Do people value assists more? Or do they value scoring more? Are we talking in form of, like, rookie of the year voting? No, I'm talking about... This is, this is what's confusing, because I don't know what they mean by most likely to, to, to succeed. That's, what I, that's why I said I don't know what the metric is. What's your definition of success, then, in this, in this definition? Somebody... I would say probably what the MVP should be. The person who contributes most to their team. Okay. But then, if it's just like, indiv- I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because success can be individual or it can be team-based. If we're talking about just like individual success, I don't That's so confusing. Yeah, I, I would say that... I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard, because... Without knowing, I mean, my definition of success is might be totally different from what Sports Illustrated's definition of success is. So maybe we're overthinking this. We are. We definitely are. Hundred <laughs> percent. Anything you're working on for the site? <laughs> just trying to get through this summer, man. Yeah. This is this has been rough. I mean, we literally just spoke about what success is to Sports Illustrated. Yes. I mean, I did. I did for about four minutes. Yes, and it was perfect and i will love to listen to it again when this podcast airs but in the meantime check out everything on celticslife.com we're trying to give you as much content as we can during these quiet summer months you can always hang out in our chat box it is a great time we also have a huge variety of shirts on the links at the top of celtics life we also have hoodies and you can even get tickets once the season starts and the preseason starts the games will be in the td garden as opposed to normally where they play elsewhere in the northeast or around new england and make sure that you take a listen to the podcast, obviously. You can find it on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to raise five stars. It helps us be seen by other people looking for basketball podcasts. And if you don't like something or you have a suggestion, let us know about it. We'd really like to hear you guys' opinions on how we can improve and how we can get better. 
because we just want to bring you guys the Celtics coverage that you want just the way you like it. That's all we got. Anything you want to say, Luis? No, I just wish I didn't talk about success for five months. Hey, man, he's going to be the most successful. He's the most likely to do it. We're not getting into that again. (laughs) All right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.